Everyone has influence. You have influence. And every morning brings with it a simple invitation to engage the work before you, whatever your work is to do, with focus, with energy, with passion, in the big and small moments. But what is the point of all the work, the hard-won trust, the glorious splatters and strokes of progress, if it fades away, forgotten? This is why you put your hands to the work that will leave bold impressions long after you're done. So keep going. Bring us your teaching, your making, your building, your toiling, your parenting, your investing, your inspiring. These are your personal acts of leadership. This is your influence. So good morning again. Good to see all of you, each one of you. Welcome to the bridge. If this is your first time or perhaps uh, you haven't been here in a while and you're back, uh, really pleased to have you. If you're a guest or visitor especially, uh, thank you for being here with us. Uh, Awesome, awesome, awesome to have you. Those of you who are online as well, uh, thrilled to have you guys here. So uh, every year we do a couple of uh, messages. We do a short series on leadership, and uh, it's really short this year, just this week and next week. And um, we talk about um, really the power of leadership and what it means for a local church, and uh, such a critical, critical topic. And um, so we're gonna we're gonna dive into that for a couple of messages. But real quick, just to reiterate, um, the Global Leadership Summit is coming up uh, Thursday and Friday next week. Would love, love, love for you to be here. Um, if you want a couple of days of just being um, inspired in a very powerful way from some of the best leaders on the planet, literally, um, I encourage you to come. And uh, as Alejandra said, go to our church website. Uh, we get a, a special rate because we're a host uh, church. Um, and you can, you can sign up there and get all the information. If not, just pull me aside. And here, I'll even issue this challenge or this, I'll issue an opportunity uh, a gift, if you will. If you're a young adult between the ages of 18 and 25, and you want to come to a summit, but you legitimately cannot pay for it, I mean, like, no joke, you really can't pay for it, all right? Don't be telling me, you know, I can't pay for it, but you really can, because you don't want to, you, you know, you go to Starbucks, just fine. But anyway, so, um, but if you want to come and you really can't afford it, I will figure out a way to pay for you to be here over both days. You got to commit to it, and I know school's starting and you may not be able to, but if you want to come, Come talk to me and I will make sure you can go. All right, so Summit's going to be a powerful couple of days. Incredible. Next week, um, as we, because uh, we continue the leadership series, that'll be the end of it. But next week, Pastor Gary Gordon, a uh, good friend of mine, pastor in our conference here, will be here to, to preach uh, because I'll be busy with the Summit all week and won't have time to get ready to preach. But uh, he'll be here and he's awesome. He's got this cool British accent. Y'all are going to love it. So, all right, man. Let's pray and we'll dive right in. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for uh, the gift of rest, the gift of worship, the opportunity, Father, to enter into your presence, to collectively as a body 
consider what you would have us to hear and to understand and to know about leadership. And so I pray, Father, that by the power of your spirit, you would move here, that you would be present and that you would be active in a very powerful way. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for how you're going to move and bless. In Jesus' name, amen. So in my neighborhood growing up, um, there's, a certain, there's a particular scenario that played itself out a lot. And that was, um, as a group of kids in the neighborhood, we were constantly playing uh, games. We were, you know, doing athletics. We were, we were, we had teams and we would, uh, we would play basketball. We'd play football. We'd play kickball in the street. We'd play, you know, you name it, we, we played it. And so what that presented us with is a way to divide up the teams. You know, you had all these kids, you got to figure out how do we create the teams uh, to play the, the sports and to play the games that we're involved in. And so typically what would happen is you'd, take, you'd have the oldest, you know, most kind of the more mature, bigger kids. If they were there and they were going to be involved, then they would be, two of them would be the captains. So captain, captain. And then they would decide who gets the first pick. Maybe they'd flip a coin or just decide. And then they would proceed to choose... Uh, to choose their teammates, to choose people they want on their team. And normally, and this is how it went. It, this is your neighborhood too. This is how you guys did it too, I'm sure. You figured out you know, how to choose up teams. Um, you would pick the athlete who you believed could, could be on your team and have the greatest, the greatest influence on the outcome of the game, right? Um, so, and everybody knew who in the neighborhood did what really, really, really well. Who was the kind of the more gifted and really super superior athletes? And so you, you knew this guy, if you were a captain, you know, I'm, I got to have him. That dude is fast. Got to have him fast. And so I pick him. And this dude is, this dude can jump and he never drops a ball. I got to have him on my team. So you go back and forth. And generally, that's kind of how it went. The super gifted, the ones who could legitimately influence the outcome of the game to give your chance, you could leverage their influence and their athletic uh, capabilities. You could leverage that in your favor to get the outcome, to get the win that you wanted. That's sort of the pecking order that it went. And for some of us, we were just happy maybe to get a shot on the team, right? You know, even have to kind of ride the bench, I'm just happy to be there. That's kind of how it went. But here's the thing. And it's, a, it's probably, probably the most, one of the most significant maxims of leadership. And John Maxwell gives it to us. John Maxwell, super uh, leadership guru. He says this, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And it's so incredibly true. The power of influence. You want to take a, a word that is the most significant and definitive word on leadership? It simply is influence. And here's my thing. Here's what I want you to get right off the bat, is that the God of the universe is, is, has picked a team and is picking team members. The cool thing about God's economy is that he doesn't always look for the most gifted and the most talented. Those who are obviously the ones who have been blessed with everything, right? You have people like that in your life, and they just make you sick, right? It's like, why you got to have everything? You're pretty, athletic, all that. God doesn't primarily concern himself with those obvious attributes and talents and gifts. 
He looks at the heart. The heart. It's different in our economy. You and I, we, we eye people and we look at them and say, yeah, that, yeah my team, you, you, you obviously got something. God just simply looks at the heart. And he goes around and he taps people on the shoulder and he says, I need you to help accomplish my purposes in the world. I need you to, to leverage your giftedness and your talents and your resources on behalf of my kingdom because I can use you to help, get, to help give me the most, the most important outcomes in the world. So God looks for people and he chooses and he taps people on the shoulder and he invites them to be a part of his team. So one of those guys, we're going to look at him right now. Probably, uh, this is a great case study on, on God calling someone and that is this guy by the name of Abraham in the Bible. Check him out. Go to Genesis chapter uh, 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. And listen to the implications for, for leadership, if you will. Just listen to these passages of Scripture. It says this. The Lord has said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you, verse 2, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. There's God saying, Abraham, or Abram at the time, I want you to be on my side. I'm calling you. Not only am I calling you, I'm calling you, and then I'm going to bless you with a huge family. A huge family. Lots of descendants that can also be my influencers, can be my leaders all down through the course of history until ultimately in Abraham's line there would come the greatest leader of all time. Join me. Be a part of my team. So here's the thing. Here's the great challenge for any of us who would desire to be a leader in the same way that Abraham led or with the same calling and respond in obedience. Notice at what he had to give up. Hey, Abram, I want you to leave your country. Leave your people and your father's household. So leave your country. You're going to go to a land that you are unfamiliar with. I want you to leave what is familiar, the land that you've known, the place where you, you, could, you, could, you, know, you can drive through the streets and, and without, even, uh, without even blinking an eye, you can, you can get around, you know your way around like the back of your hand. I'm going to ask you to leave. And then I'm going to invite you, look, look, Abraham, Abram, that's not enough. I want you to leave your people. Ooh. Leave the people that you know, the connections that you've had, the, the relatives and the family and the, the connections that you've made, all those friendships, all those relationships, those networks that you've created over the years. I want you to leave that too. And then the kicker, I want you to leave your father's household. Wow. I want you to give up all of that. I want you, I want you to abandon your security. 
Come on, security is big with us, amen, right? We have alarms on our homes, alarms on our cars, anti-theft devices on our cars. We have security codes on our phones. We have, we have all kinds of, we wear seat belts because we want to be secure in the car. We, we, security is huge with us. Familiarity is huge with us. We like routine for the most part. God says, no, I need your influence in the world. I'm, I'm inviting you to stop playing small ball and secure ball, and I want to move you into something bigger, Abram, but it's going to require something of you. It's going to require you to step out of what's familiar and known it's going to require you to move away from the networks and the relationships that you uh, have, have built so much in and put so much into. It's even going to require you to abandon the, the money and the security, the financial security of living in your father's household and the inheritance that you stand to gain. you got to leave that too. In essence, what God is asking of Abraham, Abram is to do what? Give up your entire identity, abandon who you are, and become my guy, my leader, my influencer. Mind-blowing. The call that God places on his people when God taps you on the shoulder, it's no, it's no small thing. I'm going to give you a new identity and a new name. I'm going to relocate you so you can accomplish my purposes. So now Abram becomes Abraham. Abram becomes Abraham. But God says, I'm going to bless you enormously. You thought you had it good where you came from, Abram, I'm going to bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. So therein lies the other part to this whole notion of being a leader. When God comes along and he taps you on the shoulder and he says, I need your influence, and I need it over here, God says, it may feel like it's not a blessing in the moment, but give it time. You will come to see that I am blessing you. Oh. You will come to see that I am deeply blessing you. So here's the cool part. You and I are connected to Abraham. And by virtue of that connection, by virtue of the fact that we come under Abraham's household, he is Father Abraham. For those of you who grew up Adventist, Father Abraham had many sons. Come on, bridge people. All right, everybody on their feet, we're going to do Father. I'm joking, don't, don't move. No. But we are, we are with Father Abraham, and notice what Galatians says. So Paul affirms this whole notion. He says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, nor is there male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. But verse 29, notice what he says. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Yeah. So if you 
believe in Christ, if you are a Christ follower, then you, you are part of Abraham's seed. You fall in line with his household and what God promised and what God was going to fulfill through him. So not only are you an inheritor of all the blessings and the cool stuff that we get as being connected to Abraham, but you're also gifted and blessed with the opportunity to leverage your influence and your leadership on behalf of the kingdom of God and all the good that God wants to do in the world to bless people, right? Right? Come on, we don't get to just have the blessing and be okay with that. The other part of the covenant that God made with Abraham is that not only am I going to bless you, but you get to be a blessing, you get to be a blessing. I can't think of a, of a cooler way that the Bible could put it. Is that God taps you on the shoulder. He says, I want to use your influence. I've blessed you. I've given you a hope and a future. And now can you, in obedience to me, use your influence to bless other people? Not... Not bully other people. Bless other people. Bless other people. Um, the Bible has always taken this idea of influence very, um, very seriously. In fact, the truth of the matter is we have, um, our parents took influence very seriously, right? So when we were coming along, um, you remember this that our parents always told us, they said, hey, make sure you're hanging out with the right crowd. You know, there are certain people you probably shouldn't be hanging out with, and, but, but you need to hang out with these people because, you know, they're good influences, but the, the bad influences can lead you astray, can lead you away. This whole idea of influence isn't an unfamiliar thing, and so John Maxwell is absolutely correct. Uh, leadership is influence, Nothing more, nothing less. And then, then our parents, um, after we did something foolish, after we followed the crowd, after we let them lead us into some foolishness and they found out about it, our parents would always come back to us and go, what were you thinking? Why would you do that? That's so, so dumb. And we would always respond to that by saying, oh, it was, it was no big thing. Everybody was doing it. You know, it was just, what everybody was doing and then they always had this line so if everybody goes and jumps off of a cliff are you going to go with them right <laughs> all the parents here please are if you've used that line if you really that's sad that's really sad. you're parenting concerned no I have to in, in different language I'm sure but you get that influence the Bible the Bible affirms the power of influence. The Bible affirms the power of leadership. And it can either be a blessing or a curse. If you go to the book of James, go to the book of James, and uh, it just kind of underscores the notion of the power of influence. James chapter 3 and verse 1, notice this. Not many of you should become teachers, James says. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Why? Because a teacher is a leader. And a teacher has enormous 
influence over those who are under his leadership and under uh, his pupils that he is given or she is given the opportunity to influence. So the Bible says, be careful. And this is in the context of the church. James is saying, those of you who might want, to, might want to be teachers and leaders who have people under you, be careful what you wish for. Because there's a higher standard. There's a greater responsibility. There's more accountability for those of you who have such prominence and influence on the people. Be mindful of that. And Jesus backed this up too. Jesus, Jesus really lays it out here really powerfully. Um, he says in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 6, notice what Jesus uh, insinuates or implies because of the power of influence. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. So if you are a leader, if you are an influencer, and by virtue of the fact that you are present and breathing and alive, you do have influence. You are a leader, whether you want to be or not, you influence in some way. But Jesus says, look, if you cause somebody to stumble with your influence, especially one of these little ones, whoo, Severe consequences should be placed on you. Severe consequences. If you are not a blessing and you're more of a curse as you leverage your influence in whatever circle you operate in, God says, be careful with that. So the calling is real. The, the invitation to obey God with our influence and the leverage to be a blessing and not a curse is a real calling. And by virtue of the fact that you are a Christian, by virtue of the fact that you have surrendered, given your heart to Jesus, um, uh, let God know that you want to come and, and give your life to him. You, you are called to influence, to lead, to, to respond to God in, inviting chaos into your life sometimes because that's what comes with being a leader. Just ask Abraham, dude, get up, leave. Get, abandon your whole identity and security and everything you know and just go. Go. And I will bless you. And I will give you opportunity to do what I need you to do in this world. Here's the thing. Um... The only job I've ever held uh, my entire life, the only thing I've ever known to do, um, the only time I've ever, you know, my only adult job, the only way I've you know, been, gotten a real paycheck is working for the church. That's all I've ever known. I, I, I've never worked in any other uh, environment. In fact, I was like 14 years old. I'd just become a Christian, uh, just joined the Seventh-day Adventist church, and y'all introduced me to summer camp. And uh, I loved it. And I said, look, it, just can I stay and work? Can you just hire me? It's like 14 years old, and um, and they said, uh, we, you know, like the church always says, we ain't got no money to pay you. But you know. <laughs> I didn't care. If, you know, I just want to be a part of what's happening here. You guys have so influenced my soul, and and my life is so different because of you. I want to continue to be here, and so I. Um, I love the church. 
I do. If you were here, you heard um, we were doing the Frame series, and we did Unity last week, and Pastor Steve was here. The week before, Pastor Jeff did, um, did the church, and he talked about the church, and he talked about how he, he loved the church. And when, when we say that, and when I say that, I know that I mean that I love the church. And what's, what's incredibly challenging for me as one who has given literally my whole adult life into serving and, and being gainfully employed by the church is when we do not reach our fullest redemptive potential. In other words, we have, by, by virtue of the fact that you are gathered here and we have so many people who have come to faith in Jesus, and your stories and testimonies are similar to mine, but, but God has also gifted you and called you and tapped you on the shoulder for somehow to leverage your influence in the church and in the world. We have enormous potential to be a blessing. Incredible potential to be a bigger blessing. Not to say that we haven't already been a blessing. We're, we are a blessing. But how much more could the God of the universe do with the collective, the collective influence that this body has? How much more? So the great challenge is to, is to, is to, to, to leverage, to begin to look at the influence and the potential, the potential influence that this body has and every church and every member has and to be able to say, how can God, through the power of leadership and influence, begin to exploit that for the good? How can God extract even more out of us, man? How can God do even more to leverage the potential that we have, not just hoard our blessings, but to bless everybody else. And that should be, that should be, that's not a scary conversation to have. That's an exciting conversation, <laughs> right? That should be exciting to talk about, well, God has given me a vision to do this, and God's called us to do this, and to be here, and to influence here, and to influence here, and that should just really, really pump people up. Amen. The power of our influence is significant. The challenge for us as a body is to begin to leverage that so that we can be a blessing to others. So the Old Testament casts this vision for God's people, Abraham's people. Isaiah picks it up. He's writing centuries, centuries later than the time of Abraham. But notice that the Bible is consistent with this idea that God's people collectively hold this potential to bless in powerful ways the world. And so Isaiah 42.6, Isaiah 42.6 picks this up. It says this, I, the Lord, officially commission you. I take hold of your hand. There's commission. Remember in Matthew, we got the great commission. Here's an Old Testament commission. I'm sure there were others. I, the Lord, officially commission you. I take hold of your hand. I protect you and make you a covenant mediator for the people and a light to the nations. A light to the nations. A light to the nations. Again, in Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 3, it says, Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. In other words, we've all said it, we've all heard it in church many times, you are the 
light. And it's not just that, it's not just that, that collectively we are the light. That is true. And maybe we're a brighter light when we're all together. But you individually, you are light. You're a light. And you have influence. Think of the power of light to influence darkness, right? You ever stumbled around in the dark wishing right after you stubbed your toe and said a bad word that you had a light? <laughs> That's all right. Y'all can confess. This is a safe place. You said the bad word. But, but light would have been really great in that instance. But you individually are light. Remember back in the day, some of you will remember, some of you were faithful watchers of the Oprah show. Remember the Oprah show back in the day? Okay, well, Oprah was on TV many years ago. She's still on TV. And she would do the annual Christmas uh, show, all right? And this show was, it became this phenomenon because at the Christmas show, Oprah would give away her favorite things. And if you just happen to be an audience member, they never let anybody know. They never, you knew it was going to kind of be around the holidays, whatever. But if you were there, everything that Oprah liked she gave away, and you got to be a recipient of everything that Oprah liked, and Oprah liked some pretty amazing things, and she would give everybody an audience. So this one year, she decided to give everybody a car, a legitimate, like four wheels, transmission, engine, whole car, and I'll never forget, you know, on stage, you know, they're talking about her favorite things and blah, 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 blah. And then she goes, and we have these cars, and you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car, and you get the whole audience. And you're just like, wow, powerful. Well, God may not give you a car. God may give you a car. That's a good thing. You may need it. But what God has given you is influence. God has given you light, and you have influence, and you have influence, and you have influence, and you have influence. Everybody has influence. And what God says is, I need you to take that influence and bless others. The gift that I've given you, be a light, be a blessing, come alongside of, aid someone else. In fact, um, uh, he, Jesus comes along and he, he backs up Isaiah. This is the, Jesus read Isaiah. That was the Bible that he had. But he says this. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So here, here, here Jesus takes a page out of, out of Abraham's story. Not only am I going to tap you on the shoulder and call you, I'm going to give you a whole new identity and a whole new name. So the, your first name is Light. <laughs> so turn to the person next to you and say, hey, Light, how you doing? Nice to meet you. You did it. Very good. Right? So your identity now, you're not, just, you're not just Joe or Bob or Sue or Sally. You're light. That's your identity. That's who you are. But guess what? You're also salt. You're also salt. So tap the person next to you and go, hey, salt, how you doing? You're kind of salty. Yeah, no, don't say that. But, but you get what's happening here. God... God gives us a whole new identity and a whole new name and whole new purposes and an opportunity to leverage what we have to be a blessing to others. 
Um, here's a passage that we'll end with, and then I got a, a story I want you to hear. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. You are chosen. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. God's tapping you on the shoulder. You are chosen people, all of you. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Ha, I love that. God's special possession. That you may declare, this is how you're going to be a blessing, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We haven't talked a whole lot about blessing, so real quick. Blessing in the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, is a word in the Hebrew is barak, barak. And so it basically means that you are someone who uh, gives someone else peace. It has the idea that you come along and you're an encourager. To bless someone is to encourage. To bless someone is to heap praise on them. To bless someone is to, is to lift them up, not bring them down. To be a blessing is to, um, uh, to be an encourager and to, I mean, all the, you know, to, to wish the best on people and not the worst. I mean, what kind of, what kind of easy calling is that, people? Come on. To just bless people. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we don't, we're, if you have a hard time blessing others, you clearly don't understand how blessed you are. If you have a hard time elevating and lifting up, then you have no clue how blessed you are. So ask God to give you a heart that blesses. Not a heart that bullies, not a heart that judges, but a heart that comes alongside of anyone and says, I'm here to lift you up. I'm here to encourage you. I got to end with this story. A young adult in my church, in a church that I pastored previously, um, we, we probably didn't recognize her fullest leadership potential, but I think we definitely saw glimmers of it. But she is now a young adult. She's a 20-something and she posted something on Facebook recently that, just, that was just very, very powerful. And I'm going to use her name, and I hope that's okay because I for, failed to ask her, but I think she'll forgive me. If not, I'll pray for forgiveness. But anyway, she, I want to use her name because I just want you to hear her name and see if you catch this. Her name is Sarah Abraham. <laughs> there you go. But listen to what she writes. She talks about how she became a big brother, big sister, a big, and big brothers and big sisters. So she's leveraging her influence to be a role model, to be a mentor to young kids who may not have that opportunity. But just listen to her story. This is how she posted it on Facebook. A lot of people ask me why I got involved with big brothers, big sisters. This is the biggest reason. Growing up, I had no one I really looked up to, little to no guidance, and no one in my life who was older than me that I trusted to talk through it all with. I decided that even though I never had a role model in my life, that I could still be a role model for, ch for, for a child facing similar circumstances. I am by no means perfect, she says, but I am sincerely invested in my little. That's what they call the person that you mentor, a little. I love her unconditionally, and I believe she is capable of anything, of anything she sets her mind to. 
I have seen the progress. I love that. She comes along, she invests, and she sees the progress that she has made since we have been matched. One of her biggest accomplishments, this is blessing people. When you come along, you recognize accomplishments and you praise them, you lift them up. One of her biggest accomplishments is that she has gone from struggling to read simple sentences to being on the honor roll in school and reading 11th grade sight words. She has made significant advances socially, academically, and emotionally. And even though I never had one myself, I really feel that I understand the value of a child having a mentor in their life. You have influence. You have been blessed. The king calls, the creator calls you he taps you on the shoulder. Use that influence. Leverage that influence, influence to bless, to be a blessing to others. Father God, thank you that collectively you have called us light. You collectively you call us salt. And that's, that's a new identity for us. That's no small thing. That's no small calling. But Lord God, may we understand the gravity of it. May we understand how important our potential is and may we lean into that calling though it requires us to abandon places things or people or relationships may we lean into that calling and may you use us lord to lead and to bless others for the sake of your kingdom and for your glory in jesus name amen amen, amen.